Welcome to The Encouraging Word, a podcast from Ascension Lutheran Church in Waterloo, Iowa. In our episodes, you'll find sermons, services, and in-depth Bible studies to help you grow in your faith. If you have any questions or want to connect, reach out to us at alcwloo at mchsi.com. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> There's plenty of room here, Tony. Welcome to our Bible class. Everybody got a paper? Yes. Yeah. All right. This, this is, uh, I think this is our last Bible class of the year. Next Sunday, we've got the children's presentation. Um, the Sunday after is uh, Christmas Eve, so there's no, there's no uh, um, uh, Sunday school between. Uh, the December 31st, the first Sunday after Christmas, there is Bible class, but I think Pastor and I, because we're not sure who's going to be here and who's not, Pastor, we're just going to do one Bible class in the main room on a topic that's not related to either. Something something different. So then we'll pick this back up in the new year. We're finishing up uh, Sin and God's Law, and... Um, and we will um, pick up in the new year with uh, Jesus and the gospel. Um, so we'll end the year on law and start the, start the new year on gospel. Um, before we begin, let's uh, uh, open with a word of prayer. Lord God, you've caused all the holy scriptures to be written so that we can learn from them. May we hear them, read, mark, learn, and take them to heart so that by the patience and comfort you offer in your holy word, we can embrace and ever hold fast to the blessed hope of eternal life, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Okay, so last week we looked at, or last week, last time, we looked at, um, oh, stupid thing. We, last time we looked at um, original sin. And we saw that original sin is... Uh, a deep corruption in us, a lack of original righteousness. We don't fear God, we don't love God, we don't trust in God. Uh, and we are born with concupiscence, which means, you remember, it is the desire, the inclination towards sin. Not only do you sin, you want to sin. Uh, and you like sinning. Um, and we learned that the fact that you like to sin, want to sin, are inclined towards it, have a tendency to do it, is in fact sinful. Come on. Uh, there's uh, copies of the thing there. Um, and we notice that that uh, separates us from uh, one of the, that's one of the major uh, theological things that separates us from the Roman Catholic Church. Today, we're going to pick up where we left off, um, the Bible truth for, for this lesson is that God's law shows us God, his unchangeable will for our lives. It demands perfect obedience and reveals our need for Christ's grace for true fulfillment. A Bible verse that kind of says this is now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. And the texts are the same as last week, the Ten Commandments and the uh, for Confession. So when we talk, we make a distinction. When we talk about original sin, we make a distinction between original sin and actual sin. Actual sin is where we're starting here. And that's personal. You can also call that personal sin if you don't like the um, if you don't like the, um, the term. Right. There's original sin. There's the sin you inherit from Adam, your sinful nature. Maybe you want to call it that. And then there's the fact your own personal sins. All right. In theological language, we call that original sin and actual sin. Original sin is the root. The sins you commit yourself are the fruit. The bad. It's the bad fruit of a diseased tree. They're the symptoms of the disease. So uh, if you think about having a, a cold or something that you look at the symptoms and you try to address the disease, your the sins that you commit are the symptoms. 
there's a, the disease we looked at last time is original sin. The fact that this is the case is seen in Matthew 15, 16 to 20. Let's take a look at that. Matthew 15, can we have a reader for that? Matthew 15, uh, I can read that. Matthew 15, 16 through 20. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from their heart. And these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile So, did you notice? Where do those sins that Jesus lists come from? From the heart, right? right? Or you might say a good tree produces good fruit, a bad tree produces bad fruit. If you have bad fruit, you have a bad tree. This is why salvation by works doesn't work. Because the tree's bad. Salvation by works is like trying to take, it's, it's like you have a dead tree in your backyard. It's all gnarled and, and disgusting and it's, it's black and, and hard and dead. And you go and buy a bushel of apples from the grocery store. And you go and you staple the apples onto this dead tree. That's salvation by works. Right? You're, there's no life in the tree. To, right? So it's important to see that your sins result from original sin, which we dealt with last time. That sin, we're just making sure that we cover this again. It includes your impulses, your thoughts, your words, your, de your deeds, all of which are against God's law. It includes sins of omission, not doing what God commands, and sins of commission, doing what the law forbids, right? And even if your outward actions are good, because our inner impulses, our motives, our desires are bad, the entire person is bad. And the fact that this that the, the law, the Ten Commandments, points you not beyond, not just to the bare, uh, the bare act. Somebody might say, well, Ten Commandments, I, I, I haven't committed adultery, I've honored my father and mother, um, haven't still, I'm good, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the point here is no, um, it also includes the motives, thoughts, things that go behind those actions. And we see that, just turn a couple chapters over to Matthew chapter 5. Someone want to read that? Yep. We just five. want... Uh, Matthew 5, 21 and 22. 22 yeah. and 28. Okay. That's right. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Right. And whoever says to fool will be liable to the hell of fire. And then 27, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You see what Jesus does? He takes the act against the law and he makes it, makes it stronger. So the command about adultery is not just about sleeping around. It's about the thoughts and the eyes and... and, and Murder is not just about killing somebody. It's about the anger you feel towards somebody. Um, so Jesus takes that law and he makes it, he shows us the real intent. So outward obedience is not enough. All right, any questions on actual sin? Just, this should be, this is kind of obvious stuff, kind of outflow extra from last time that we couldn't sneak in because of time. All right. 
God's law. What is the law? I've given a definition here. The law is a teaching given by God, which directs us, which tells us what we're to be like, what we're to do, and what's, what we must not do. Does that make sense? Something that God tells you, that tells us what you're supposed to be like, what you're supposed to do, and what you're not supposed to do. The law requires perfect obedience towards God. Um, it pronounced, it says that God is angry and will punish with eternal death those who do not give perfect obedience. The law contains precepts and promises to which it adds the condition of fulfillment of the law. Likewise, threats. What that means is the law does does the law promise eternal life? Absolutely it does. Upon what upon what conditions does the law will the law grant you eternal life? Perfect obedience. Perfect obedience. Right? You can be saved by your works. You just have to be perfect. <laughs> and nobody's gonna be able to do that. Hence the problem. Right. So only one could do that. Only one could do that. That's exactly right. So, but here's the problem. The law then, um, a couple of verses here. Can we divide these up? Deuteronomy 6, 5, Deuteronomy 27, 2, and Leviticus 19, 18. I'll take Leviticus. I have Deuteronomy 5, or oh. 6, 5. I'll Deuteronomy 2. Awesome. Thank you. So first, Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Notice all. All, all, all. Mm -hmm. yep. Deuteronomy 27, 2. And it shall be on the day when you cross over the Jordan to the land which, you, which the Lord your God is giving you, that you shall set up yourselves large stones and whitewash them with wine. Why do I have that there? What? Okay, we'll scratch that. I probably mis <laughs> mistranscribed the number. Oh, okay. And you're not perfectly obedient? No, <laughs> definitely not. I'm just one beggar telling another other beggars where to get some bread. Uh, okay. Leviticus 19.18. Do not take revenge or bear a grudge against members of your community, but love your neighbor as yourself. That one I understand. Okay. I am the Lord. Yeah. All right. So the first Deuteronomy six and Leviticus are the two great commandments, right? Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right. That's why I put those there. Um, your verses that tell you that um, um, if we go to, it's not listed in your notes, but if we jump over, or I can jump over here to Galatians. Um. Yeah. The point that perfect obedience is commanded, you'll find that listed. Paul, Paul is uh, Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. Specifically, he says uh, in verse 10, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, now he quotes the Old Testament here, he quotes... Um, uh, Deuteronomy 27, 26. Ah, oh, I was close. I forgot the six. There we go. Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all the things which were written in the book of the law to do them. You get it? So those here, so it was Deuteronomy 27, 26. The six somehow, it ran away with the spoon probably. It says, cursed is the one who does not confirm all the words of this law by observing them. Yeah. So, um, the, the law pronounces a curse on everybody who does not fill it completely. And that's Paul in Galatians 3 and in elsewhere in Romans makes the case that you can't be right with God by obedience to the law. Because you can't do it. It'll curse you. Every single time. So that's that's the law. That's what the law is. Next section is about the difference between human laws and God's law. Now, human laws don't speed, right? For example, 
command outward external obedience and are limited to a time and a place and a region. Right? The, the sign out there says gives you a, a speed limit on that road. And it only applies on that road. And it does not care if you want to speed. All it cares about is if you actually speed or not. Only outward physical obedience. Right? You're never going to get a ticket from a police officer. Well, you really wanted to speed. You had to use the bathroom and you really wanted to hit that gas. But you just... but you. So because you really wanted to, I'm going to give you a ticket. No, the law, human laws are only concerned with outward obedience. And they only apply in certain times and places, right? Um, at most, human laws will deal with what we call ethics, right? At most, that's at the most. The second table of law, don't murder, don't steal, this kind of stuff. God's law is eternal and immovable. It, co it comes from God's will, and so it applies to everyone, everywhere, of all times and places, right? Because it comes from God's will. It pronounces a judgment against sin. It requires both your external work and the internal disposition, right? It, it's in, both outward and inward, as we saw. Um, even when people have the outward work, they will not have the correct disposition without faith. Romans 14.23. We have a volunteer for that one. See, I make you read the verses so I have a chance to eat something between the services. <laughs> but the man who has doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith. <laughs> <laughs> Everything that does not come from faith is sin. Everything that does not come from faith is sin. And I'm condemned for eating a cookie between the services. That's what I got. <laughs> Hilarious. Okay. So, everything that does not come... Even if somebody... Let's suppose somebody had perfect outward obedience and they had the right motives on the inside. If they didn't have faith... It's still a sin. Right? Yeah. So even if there's an atheist out there who gave money to the little family out of the goodness of his heart because he just because the family needed it, and not, because he doesn't have faith, it's still a sin. Because he's not doing it for the glory of God. Right? Yeah. Everything that's not from faith is sin. You know, it reminds me of the mafia in Chicago, you know, how they go out and kill and do all this stuff, and then they go to their Catholic church for repentance. And, you know, that was what they did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, why is this important? <laughs> that we that we that we make this distinction. Human some people who don't follow this distinction will follow to one of the following errors. They'll say that human sinful weakness is not condemned by God's law. Right? That's 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 would be more along your lines of your Roman Catholic Church. That your, your sinful weaknesses are not condemned. Only if you act on them. Yeah. Thinking God's law can be fulfilled by external works alone. There's some, you know, that the law the law doesn't command you to. Um, that the law was only God's law is only concerned with the outward outward action. Don't commit adultery, this kind of thing. Some people have said that throughout history. That it's possible to keep the law without the Holy Spirit. Right? Some people think that you can do it. And this has been taught throughout the history of the church, and it's still taught in, in some, some denominations. That you can you can do it. Just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Be better, try harder. Um that you're pronounced righteous by works without faith. Right? Some people say that. Works of supererogation. That's a Roman Catholic term that refers to the fact that they thought, I'm not sure if they still do, but they thought, at least in the time of the Reformation in the Middle Ages, let's see if I get this right. Don't fact check me on this. But certain works of supererogation is essentially going above and beyond the call of duty. 
And so I believe it was said that when, G when, when Jesus said, whoever looks at a woman to commit adultery, that's going above and beyond the call of duty. So God actually just commands you to not commit adultery. But some people can go above and beyond the call of duty and not even look at a woman. And they get married. Because <laughs> they did what God commanded, and they did more than that. And so they, they get a gold star and a sticker and that kind of thing. So um, that is important. Uh, uh, it's an important distinction to make that God requires both your outward and your inward obedience. Any questions on that before we move on? This should be simple enough. Yeah. Yeah, and like you mentioned on faith there, you know, and he that's really one of the absolutes in the Bible. Mm -hmm. I mean, without faith it's an awful please God, Hebrews, right? And, and you know, and that's you can't argue that, you can't discuss that, you can't debate that, you can't do anything. It's, mm -hmm. it's an absolute in the Bible. Absolutely right. hundred yeah. percent. Types of law. There's two um um, I, I, I noted, you know, there's two types here that I've listed, and we're going to break the one down, and we'll see different types. You have, I have listed two types: mosaic, the Mosaic Law, and natural law. First, the Mosaic Law. We separate the Mosaic Law down to three types: moral laws, civil or judicial laws, and ceremonial laws. Okay, so moral laws don't change with the passing of time. Uh, they're eternal, and uh, they're, uh, they come from God's mind, and they're eternal. Uh, they apply to all peoples because of natural law. We'll get to what natural law is in a second. The moral law of God is summarized in the Ten Commandments. Uh, what are some examples of some moral laws in the Old Testament? Can you think of some? Well, the Ten Commandments, right? Yeah, take well, I mean, you can't kill. You can't kill. Is there ever a, you know, oh, that only applied to Israel? No, that doesn't work. Uh, or you know, um, so so, um, or other other ones outside of Ten Commandments. The the old the Old Testament forbids incest. Right. That's that's a that's a moral law. It's eternal. Right. This distinction people out don't get. Moral, civil, ceremonial. They'll um, they'll say you'll you'll often hear this in, 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 when you're discussing the Bible's prohibition against homosexuality or any sort of sin against the sixth commandment: "You shall not uh, commit adultery." You'll hear people out in the world say, "Well, the Old Testament, they, uh, they they couldn't eat shellfish and they couldn't mix their fabrics and they couldn't eat anything boiled in milk." Um, and this prohibition against homosexuality is like one of those. Notice they failed to distinguish between moral laws, civil laws, and ceremonial laws. There's three types of laws, and they have three different purposes. Um, and is that explained in Scripture? I, I mean, I understand that. I agree with that, but how do you know? Um, great question. It is not put that way in Scripture, so to speak. It's not. There's not like a Scripture that says there are moral laws, but... Um, there are certain laws which are repeated in the New Testament and that come from the Old Testament. So the prohibition, so and we um, of the Ten Commandments, uh, all of them except the Sabbath are repeated in the New Testament. And and so because of and um, because of a lot of what Paul says about the law in his letters. It leads us to have to make this distinction, right? And, and people have been making this distinction since the Middle Ages or, or, or older, all right? So um, it, it, it's, we're forced to make this distinction based on the way the New Testament treats the Old Testament, right? See, uh, it, it, when it, think about uh, the ceremonial laws for a second. The ceremonial laws deal with the temple worship and laws separating Israel from other nations. They served as signs and testimonies of their faith in God. Yet, what are the what are the three big what are the three big ceremonial laws in the Old Testament that you can think of? I think there's three. No work on the Sabbath. Sabbath. Okay, what's the next one? Think Animal of sacrifices. sacrifices. Okay, we'll say four. Animal sacrifices. Sabbath. More ceremonial. Uh, 
with the dietary restrictions? Yes, eating, keeping kosher, right? One more. Ceremonial law. No. Boys. Circumcision. <laughs> okay, circumcision, right? Those were the, the, you know, those are the big, those are the, the, the big four, right? Uh, your animal sacrifices, your your Sabbath keeping, circumcision, and keeping kosher, uh, uh, not eating pork and shellfish and this kind of stuff, um, right? The New Testament tells us that all those laws are abolished, right? Uh, the Sabbath, um, Paul, Paul explicitly says that you got, you, no one should judge you on, on whether or not you keep the Sabbath or not. He, the New Testament explicitly says you don't have to be circumcised to be a Christian. God explicitly tells uh, Peter that he, when, when Cornelius was converted, that um, he can eat pork uh, and he can eat things that are unclean. Don't call unclean what God has called clean. Right, so we see. So you see, so you see uh, Tina. The, the, it starts to answer the question when you see what the New Testament says, right? So, it, and then other laws, um, and then of course Christ is the end of the sacrificial system, right? Um, civil laws. What are civil laws then? Civil laws. Um, did I? Somehow drop. Oh yeah, civil laws deal with the the kingdom of Israel, right? As a nation, right? They're, they're, it's it's st political stuff, uh, uh, stuff that has to do with the kingship and marriage and inheritance and all that kind of stuff. It's it's their civil law. It doesn't apply outside of um, outside of Israel. Uh, the tithe, the tithe is in the Old Testament a uh, Old Testament income tax. Doesn't apply in the New Testament. New Testament never tells you to tithe. It tells you to give as much as you have decided in your heart, freely and without compulsion, because God likes a cheerful giver, right? Because we're not under the Old Testament command to give a tenth of our income. We're, we give. Uh, that's a that's a civil law. There's a principle behind it, though. You should give some of your money. To God, right? right? And so, uh, if you give ten percent, that's a good God. But it's not a law anymore. You see, it's, it was a. It, we're not. We're not under the Old Testament income tax. Uh, we pay enough income tax as it is, <laughs> right? Moral, civil, ceremonial. The civil and ceremonial are not commanded to other nations, and they are not binding on us. They were given to Israel. To lead them to Christ. All right. Any questions? Any more questions on that distinction? Moral, civil, ceremonial. It's a. I think it's a big deal. The moral law is the law that applies to you still. The other laws are important for you to learn because they teach you not only about the history of Israel, but they teach you lots of stuff about Christ. You can go through the book of Leviticus and, re and, and read with a commentary, and it'll show you the all of these different sacrifices and how they point in different ways they pointed to Jesus. Right? All right. Natural law. Natural law is is the knowledge of God's law that has been put in your heart. We might say conscience sometimes. Um, it applies to both tables of the law. We'll get to what a, a table of law is. So God has given certain knowledge in our minds that helps us understand and evaluate things. Um, you can also, um, natural law also includes looking at the world and understanding the way things are made. This includes things like math, logic, uh, geometry, physics, and also uh, ethics, Morality, that common sense, right? The knowledge of God's law remains in us, but it's weak because of sin. I didn't put that in there. It's it's and our weight, our obedience to it is is uh, um, not good. We have a stubborn heart. Um, I want. Um, let's turn to Romans one eighteen, and you'll see this idea of natural law. 
for the in um, in here. Um, one eighteen. Um, eighteen through. 20, it should be 18, 18 through 20 should be good. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what we because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Thank you. Sir. So there's a certain knowledge of God and of his law that we can understand from nature without any recourse to the Bible. Let me give you an example of how, how this works, a, a, a contemporary example. There's only male and female. I don't need to go to the Bible to prove that. <laughs> I can go to science. I can go to biology. Right? X, 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 Y. Right? In order to have a child, you need one person who's X, X, and one person who's X, Y. It doesn't work any other way. Right? I have not even touched the Bible. The natural law. See it? Right? But the problem is, our mind and our understanding of that law is imperfect because of sin. And so God need that's not enough for us. We need God to reveal his law to help guide us too. Does that make sense? Natural law. It's very simple and over. There's a whole field of study in, in, in philosophy called natural law, right? Um, the Greeks had it um, and all sorts of things like this, all right? So you can spend all time on natural law. Yep. Yeah, and verse 20 there that was read, and the last few words I have said, so that they are without excuse. So, like in today's world, <clears throat> these people that support <clears throat> homosexuality and things like that, really, they're without excuse yep. because they should know. They should know. They should That's know. right. 100% that, that correct. Mm -hmm. um, um, no, but um, this is why evangelism and missions are so important. Mm -hmm. Because nobody can be saved without the gospel. There is, as everything where you were hearing about the law tells us that people out there um, that are born from Adam without, in, in, in non-Christian families, are in a whole heap of trouble. They don't obey God's law, and they don't want to obey God's law. And what little of God's law they know it says they suppress the truth they, in unrighteousness. It, it, imagine one of those big inflatable beach balls and you're trying to push it, hold it. You're in a pool and you're trying to hold it under. It takes effort to suppress it, to hold it under the water. That's, that's what's going on out there. So this idea, um, um, if God was... Um, it, um, some people would like to think that God, those who haven't heard the gospel, um, get some sort of extra chance or something. We don't know. The Bible doesn't sell. The Bible doesn't say that at all. Um, so that's not what this verse is really directing. No, this this Bible, this verse tells us the exact opposite. This Bible, the verse tells us that that people are condemned. And, and if you read on the chapter, he's dealing with he's dealing with pagans. For although they knew they although they they although they knew God, they didn't worship him as God, but instead worshipped created things. So he's talking about pagans here, not right. Well, it's uh, our today's world too. Isn't that's it? absolutely okay. right. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, people worship money and power and all sorts of things that aren't um, that aren't God, right? Um, so. Um, um, what about those who haven't hear, heard the gospel? Romans 1.18 and following tells us that there's there, there's no, it's not a good situation. Um, and God's not being unjust or unfair to anybody uh, because they haven't, they haven't kept, the, the, you know, they, they know what they're doing. They're not uh, robots. So what about universalists? People that believe in the universalism. 
that all creation has eternal life. Yeah, yeah. You so know, is, is this really applying to them? Um, that that yeah. they believe in universalism? Yeah, universalism is the belief that everybody will be saved at the end. Yeah. And the Bible clearly says that's not the case. Okay. Um, not everybody will be saved. Uh, because not everybody's going to want to be saved. Um, yeah. So how do they how do they come to understand that? Um, not using the Bible, of course. <laughs> um, but most of the time... Uh, They're saying God's a gracious God. Yeah, 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 that kind of thing. They'll, they'll focus on God's love okay. to the exclusion of his justice. Um, yeah. And they, and they severely underestimate just how bad sin is. All right. Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, uh, sometimes we call the Ten Commandments just the law. <laughs> but the law in the Ten Commandments, it shows us how human nature was created to be. Right? It shows you the way we should be. It also shows us our wretched condition. Because it shows you the way you should be, and you see that you don't do that, <laughs> either in thought, word, or deed, by omission or commission, it shows you how far you fall short. That's what, that's what the word sin means, to fall short. How far you fall short of the standard. The law also shows us what your human nature will be restored to. Right? What will you be like in glory? Uh, in the new heavens and new earth? Well, you get a preview of that in the Ten Commandments. You will... Love God, you will love your neighbor as yourself, right? It also shows you what Jesus was like, right? He always loved his neighbor. He always, it shows you what his obedience to God looked like. Um, when we talk about the Ten Commandments, we summarize it in two tables. Uh, the first table is the first three commandments. Uh, you, you shall love the Lord your God. Uh, sorry, there's only one God. Um, do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. The second table is commandments 4 through 10. Honor your father and your mother. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not commit adultery. Do not bear false testimony against your neighbor. Do not covet your neighbor's house and do not covet any of your neighbor's other stuff either. Um, the first table, laws 1 through 3, they deal with your relationship with God. The second table deals with your relationship to other humans. The first table deals with your worship of God and your spiritual life. The second table is about civil society, how we live together. So notice, the first commandment says that you must fear, love, and trust in God above all things. You're only to worship one God. The second commandment, to not misuse the name of the Lord your God, um, is, is is directing you to correctly use the name of the Lord your God, i.e. To, to pray, to call upon him in every trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. Um, the third commandment, um, um, although it doesn't apply, to the, the literal interpretation of the Sabbath does not apply anymore, the principle behind the Sabbath of setting a day aside to hear God's word and to worship him does apply. Right? We should, that's why in our small catechism, uh, it says we must. Uh, the explanation of the third commandment is we should not despise preaching in God's word, but hold it sacred, gladly hear it and learn it. All right. So then the second table of the law establishes civil society. Notice this: the fourth commandment, honor your father and your mother, also applies to honoring pastors and honoring um, your. Um, civil leaders. And so government is established, right? Luther's in the small catechism says, do not despise parents or other authorities. Isn't there an exception for Trump? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not, he's not, he's not in the, last time I checked, he's not in any position of authority now, is he? I um, shouldn't have said that. I apologize. <laughs> um, um, fifth commandment, you shall not murder. Peace is promoted. Right? You should not hurt or harm your neighbor in his body, but support him in every bodily need. So peace is promoted. Sixth, marriage is protected. Do not commit adultery. The seventh, you shall not steal, protects your private property. You can't 
It's in fact, it, it destroys the, the seventh commandment destroys communism because God says you have the right to private property. Hence, you can't steal. And if you don't own anything, you can't, nobody can steal from you. So the fact that somebody can steal from you implies that you are allowed to own private property. Right? Communism is against scripture. <laughs> you just, that was just one verse. <laughs> um, eight, you shall not bear false witness. It establishes courts of justice and the ability to uh, um, uh, bear witness uh, according to your, um, as you recall. And ninth and then deal with your inward desires, your coveting. So just in case you thought that the Ten Commandments are all about external things, the ninth and Ten Commandments um, show you that it also involves uh, your inner desires. Questions about any of the Ten Commandments? I got one on the Sabbath. We know on the Sabbath, God created the heavens and earth in six days. He rested on the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. So man wasn't made for Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. Jews, Friday night, sundown, for 24 hours, they do no work. That's right. And worship and praise. For us today, for us, I agree that we should have Every day we should pray and give thanks to the Lord, but there should be a day where we we turn our lives over to the Lord for that day. Now, my question is, whatever day that might be, <clears throat> on that day, since the Jews say they do not work, because you rest. For us, say as an example, <clears throat> if it's regardless what day of the week it is, <clears throat> say Sunday. Sunday, I worship the Lord. <clears throat> I give him all the glory and praise and, and spend time and have a relationship with him. Is it wrong for us to go out and work for our own personal gain? Um, now that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's the question. Um, from the New Testament perspective, um, if you were to, let's say you have church in the morning, like we do. You go to church in the morning, you've gone to Bible class, you've spent your morning, and you have an evening shift at the local drugstore. There's nothing wrong with that. The New Testament clearly says we're not under the burden of the law anymore. Hebrews chapter 4 applies the Sabbath law completely to our spiritual rest in Christ. So we, we are not under church. the... I can go home, I can mow my yards, I can go to ball games, I can do this and this and this. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> or, yeah. for my own personal benefit. So... You're saying that's okay. I'm saying that there's nothing in the New Testament that um, that applies the Sabbath law to us that way. There's everything in the New Testament that tells us that we are not under the Sabbath. Both Paul and the writer of the Hebrews tell us we are not under the obligation to keep the Sabbath. Okay. Um, we are under the obligation to not despise preaching in God's word. Christians get together on Sunday, which is not the Sabbath, by the way. Sabbath is always Saturday. We are we Christians have worshipped on the Lord's Day, which is Sunday, as a, a since Acts chapter two or whatever, um, because it is uh, the day that Christ rose from the dead. And we've done that since time immemorial. Um, some Christian groups believe that the Sabbath has been transferred to Sunday, and some Christian groups would would agree with would say the opposite to what I've just said. Specifically, Presbyterians and Calvinists would say that you are under the obligation not to work on Sunday. The Westminster Confession says it's not even appropriate to think about working on Sunday. That is not what the New Testament says. Paul clearly in his epistles says that we are not, especially Colossians, I think is the one I'm thinking of, that let he says, let no one judge you in regards to a Sabbath, period, or a new moon. These things are the shadow of things to come, but the reality is Christ. Since Christ has come, you are under no, the law does not apply to you in that way. The Sabbath is a ceremonial law given to the people of Israel um, and not uh, to us. It's fulfilled when you come to church, hear God's word, um, and most of all, Hebrews 4 says, put your faith in Jesus. Um, is it okay for the Jewish people in Israel 
to obey the Sabbath. I mean, that's nothing that we should condemn them for, um, because of what said in the New Testament. Yeah, they, they, I mean, they've put themselves under the obligation of the law to keep it, but if, um, um, but um, um, they're, uh, since Christ has come, they're under no obligation to keep it. Uh, uh, the old covenant is, is over. It's done. Um, but they don't believe in the New Testament. But they don't believe in the New Covenant. That's right. Um, and so they've put themselves under the law and they'll be judged by the law. Uh, and that's, a, as we've learned, as we're learning, that that's, that's a very... Um, I wouldn't want to be judged by how, how well I keep the Ten Commandments, let alone all 600 and some odd laws, ceremonial, ceremonial laws and civil laws, especially because of the fact that there's no temple, so I can't offer the sacrifices required to do half the things that are listed there. Um, so that's, you know, there's that. All right. We got to move on. Last page here. The, the, there's the three uses of the law. You may you maybe heard of this from your catechism days. Uh, what are the three uses? Curb, mirror, and guide. Remember that. Yeah. Curb, mirror, and guide. Um, if we can't gain eternal life because of our obedience to the law, why is it given? It's given for three reasons. The first use is the civil use. It compels or coerces people to follow to um, to the discipline of the law. Uh, both un regenerate, unregenerate and regenerate, or you would say maybe uh, both those who are born again and those who are not born again. Um, hence the curve. Uh, civil government is instituted to enforce outward obedience to the second table. That's the curve. You must not murder is a law in almost every country in the world. It, it, it forces us by because by, the government uh, has that as a law. It forces us to, out, to outwardly obey. Right? That is the first use of the law. Civil use. Why do you need to know this? Because God commands that type of obedience. In the fourth commandment, he, he says to obey fathers, obey, to honor your father and mother, and that includes uh, government. Uh, and the same thing in Romans 13 says that. Um, uh, so... Um, it's also to avoid any penalties which are either by the government or from God. Um, so breaking the law of the land is both a sin and a crime. And it preserves peace and order. So that's the first use of the law. The second use of the law is the proper use. It's to show us our sin. And we've talked about this. right? It shows you your sin. It accuses you. It says you are a sinner. See, you don't do it. You don't even think about doing it. Um, and when you do do it, you don't want to do it. <laughs> um, it accuses you. It announces God's horrible, terrible, angry wrath against sinners because we are rebels at heart. Um, we've read some of these verses. Romans 3.20, For all have sinned, right, and fall short of the glory of God. The goal is to scare you, <laughs> to terrify your conscience, to wake you up to, to the realizing just how terrible the problem is, um, and th and that to make and to make you feel guilty, it, it, uh, to make you um, feel sorry for your sins, to get you to feel some remorse about the bad things that you've said, thought, done, haven't done. Um, without Christ, that will lead to despair, right? But um, but it shows you your need for Christ. It points you to the gospel. This is why we preach both law and gospel. You can't appreciate what your Savior did for you if you don't see the depth of the problem. The more you see how bad the problem is, the greater your Savior becomes. Right? And then the third use. The third use is for baptized, born-again Christians only. It, since you are free from the law, you're free from its curse, its terror, it's condemnation and the wrath of God. Romans 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is therefore in Christ no condemnation. Right? The law, why do we still teach the law? Because it's, you still have sin in you. <laughs> it clings to you. All right? It doesn't go away. Your old Adam is a, was baptized and put to death, but he's a good swimmer, as we say. 
um, so it teaches you that the the third use of the law teaches you what good works God wants you to do. God wants you to love your neighbor. How am I supposed to love your neighbor? Well, let me show you. This is how you love your neighbor, right? That it, it does that because we are God doesn't want us to invent our own good works, <laughs> and we're, we have a tendency to want to do that. Um, um, we're supposed to direct our lives according to God's word, and um, and uh, that's what the third use of the law does. It shows you which good works are that you should walk in. Um, God's will remains unchangeable for everybody. You don't get to commit murder now that you become a Christian. Well, I'm a Christian now. I'm free from law. Now I can murder, right? I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. No, it doesn't work that way, <laughs> right? Um, it, God's will remains God's will. Um, and your, your obedience to the law is pleasing to God. Your obedience to the law is pleasing to God, but it is only pleasing to God because what you lack, both in thought, word, and deed, by what you've done and by what you haven't done and your desires, all of that is covered by the blood of Jesus. So your good works are pleasing to God because Christ makes them pleasing to God. And there's some verses there that say that, but we've run out of time. So that is sin in God's law. Let's offer a prayer and if we can take any um, final comments after. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us your law. Because in your law, you've shown us uh, just what the problem is. And the problem is us. And you've also pointed us towards our, our Savior. You've shown us just how perfect and spotless the Lamb of God is. You've shown us uh, what he did to take away our sins. And you show us how we can love and serve our neighbors uh, for the, um, out of love for you. Uh, and so we thank you for giving us your law. Give us your Holy Spirit so that we uh, may evermore uh, do your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you.